giving me a new idea. I'm putting books in the refrigerator now. How's that for, <laughs> for availability? I well, knew we were kindred spirits. Yeah. Okay. I knew it. <laughs> listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Hey, 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 Sarah McKenzie here. You've got episode 77 of the Read Aloud Revival podcast. Really glad to have you here with me today. I've got a great show for you today, one that I've been excited to share with you for a little bit of time now. The team is really excited, in fact, about this episode. It's with one of my favorite people. You're going to hear from her in just a moment. Before we do that, I want you to know if you are not getting Read Aloud Revival emails, you want to make sure you are. As we're heading into a new holiday season, we have some great ideas for your young readers and for those of you who want to cultivate your child's reading life, some great gift ideas, some good stocking stuffers, all that's coming up here at the Read Aloud Revival, but I don't want you to miss any of those. They're not all going to be podcasts. Some of them are podcasts, some of them are posts, some of them are just going to be really great little nuggets that we tuck into your email inbox. So you want to make sure that you're an email subscriber so you're getting everything and you don't miss out on any of our really great tips, ideas, links, those kinds of things. Things that are going to help you cultivate your child's reading life through the holiday season and in fact all throughout the year. To do that, go to readaloudrevival.com and pop your email into the page there. You just want to join subscribers. We'll actually send you instant access to our online book list. Over 70,000 families already trust that book list. It's a way for you to know that whatever you read aloud next with your kids will be a win. And you'll also be put on the list so that you get all the updates from Read Aloud Revival. So again, that's readaloudrevival.com. Pop your email in there. You will be glad you did. The Kids and Family Reading Report is a biannual survey conducted by Scholastic in conjunction with YouGov, exploring family attitudes and behaviors around reading books for fun. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by a friend from Scholastic, somebody that you know and love already, probably. We're going to be talking about the findings of the latest Kids and Family Reading Report and what that report means for us as parents. So many of you got to meet Andrea Davis Pinckney last year during a Read Aloud Revival Author Access event. If you're a Premium Access member, you got to see that video. And if you are not and you listen to the podcast, I'll put a link in the show notes today because we put a little snippet, a really awesome snippet from that hour we had with Andrea in a podcast where we are showing little bits of clips from those author access events. We'll make sure we put a link to that in the show notes. She's the best-selling and award-winning author of books like Sit In, Let It Shine, Bird in a Box, The Red Pencil, and a very special favorite here, The Read Aloud Revival, A Poem for Peter. Andrea is also vice president and editor-at-large at Scholastic. Welcome back to the Read Aloud Revival, Andrea. So happy to have you with us. Thank you, Sarah. It's great to be back. As we get started, Andrea, can you tell us a little bit more about how this report got started and why Scholastic takes the time to research? Absolutely. Let me just say that at Scholastic, our main mission is to get kids to learn to read and to love to read. 
So we've been collecting data as part of the Kids and Family Reading Report for 10 years, and the data supports that goal. I remember a decade ago when I first happened upon the report, speaking as a mom, I thought this is a golden treasure trove of information so that I can help my son and daughter find books, learn to read, and love to read. I love that because for us as parents, we really want our kids not just to read because they can, right? We want them to read because they love to and because they choose to do it in their free time. And then we want to launch these kids from our homes who are voracious and avid readers. So any information that helps us make that more likely, I think is really valuable information for us. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the beauty of of the Kids and Family Reading Report is that the responses are from parents just like you and me, Sarah. And the responses are also from kids, just like my son, just like my daughter, just like your own children. So it feels like I'm part of this community of like-minded folks. And again, that's the beauty of it. Okay, so one thing I love about the Kids and Family Reading Report is how the information is laid out. I'm going to put a link in the show notes so that you can find the reading report really easy. It's also just at scholastic.com slash reading report, or you can just head to the show notes of this episode and we'll have a link there. The results are laid out in different categories. For example, reading books for fun or reading aloud, summer reading, favorite books. But there's also a summary of key findings. And some of these are just really interesting to me. So I'd love to chat chat about a few of these. Andra, is there one or two key findings that stand out to you as maybe one of the most important things that came out of this year's report? Definitely, definitely. Since we uh, launched the report 10 years ago, a lot of things have changed actually in four key areas. Um, The first of which is access to books. One of the findings of the study that I think is very intriguing is this idea of having books available for your children in the home. You know, I like to say that kids see what they see and they don't see what they don't see. So it's important for them to see books in their home where they live. You know, the report lets us know that a really powerful predictor of how often a child will read and their academic success depends on the access to those books. So it's just really key that those books are around everywhere they are in in their homes. Yeah. And there's some research there that also points to the fact that the more books that a child has in their home, the more likely they are to be reader, which just makes so much sense because you can't read something that's not in front of you, right? right? right. You can't, you're not incited to go pick up a book off the shelf if they're kind of sparse or We have a little rule in our house that there needs to be books in every room. And so I will, as I'm kind of just living life, like poke around. And if I notice that there are not books in a certain room, I think "Hmm, that might be kind of a problem. Where could we put books? Where can I set a little basket of books in this room? (laughs) Uh, I love that, you know, this idea of within reach, because, you know, you think about it like the same muscles in the hand that it takes to reach like an apple, you know, or a bag of potato chips. It's that same hand that can be reaching for a book. So you have just given me a new idea. I'm putting books in the refrigerator now. How's that for for availability? I knew we were kindred spirits. I knew it. (laughs) You know, the average American family with a child zero to 17 has about 104 books in the home. And, you know, again, the more the better. But you, you don't have to necessarily have a lot of dollars to get those books. There are so many ways to do that. As you said, little by slowly build it up. Have a book swap. This is the perfect kind of opportunity to have that mother-daughter book club where everybody brings a book and then you trade them or father-son book club or a tag sale or libraries that will often kind of sell off books that, you know, there aren't in circulation or that they need to restock the shelves. There are many ways to get those books and make them available. 
you know, as we uh, moms and dads are collecting all those books and looking for innovative ways to gather them, you know, I want to just remind your listeners that in the Kids and Family Reading Report, we've created an infographic that really shows books in the home and where you can get them. You know, again, book clubs, book fairs, dollar deals that, again, make those books easily available and affordable. Awesome. We'll make sure we put a link so that's easy to find in the show notes so that everybody can see that. We get a lot of questions about from people asking how they can affordably build their library. So that's really, really helpful. Can we talk a little bit about what the report shows about reading aloud? I think for most of us, we often read aloud with our kids who can't read for themselves. And then that tapers off as they get older. And once that child is more capable of reading on their own and they get older and their schedules get busy and life just the seasons of life sort of just change, right? The family dynamic changes. We read aloud less often, but I was surprised at the, what a huge difference there was. So I'm looking at the family re- reading report right now, and it says that 59% families read to their zero to fives, and only 17% read with the, aloud with their kids ages nine and up. And I thought, wow, those are smaller numbers than I expected. Yeah, it's really fascinating, this idea of reading aloud, because that is a a key aspect to the findings in the report. And let me say, Sarah, that this podcast is so perfectly named for this topic, Read Aloud Revival. Love that. So yeah, because I'm a big believer in reading aloud. And thanks for kind of talking through those statistics. What what we did find is that, yes, kids, uh, parents are reading to their children younger now. It's starting, you know, from birth to age five is more parents are doing that. You know, it's interesting. We got information from the American Academy of Pediatrics from the year 2014, and reading aloud was prescribed for infants, for younger children, as something that builds language and literacy skills. And then to your point, kind of, you know, as it relates to our Kids and Family Reading Report, it starts to taper off. But here's the thing. Best kept secret, older kids like being read to. And I I am totally speaking again from personal experience here as a mom, you know, now with two teens, they love that time together. You know, we tend to taper off because we think that's not what they really want to do. And, you know, you might not with a teenager get that cuddle up moment, but there are ways to engage your older children, your middle schoolers, your teenagers with reading, you know, let's sit and read a blog post together. Let's read the newspaper. Let's look at this magazine article. And again, it's a way to enjoy that quality time that is so precious. My oldest three kids are 15, 13, and 12. And right now we're reading aloud Bud Not Buddy by Christopher Paul Curtis. My 12-year-old son is the... They're all readers, but he's the one who I usually have to do a little more cajoling. (laughs) You know, to work a little harder to find books he likes, I have to sort of woo him a little bit more. And every day since we've started reading this book, he'll ask, could we please, please make time to make sure we read that aloud today? And so he's 12 years old. Clearly, you know, he's reading on his own, as is my 15 and 13 year old. But there is something that happens when we sit and read that book together or any book together that really bonds us together in a unique way. So one of the key findings that I thought was really interesting is that I'm just going to read it straight from the website here. It says, parents underestimate the degree to which children have trouble finding books they like. Only 29% of parents say, my child has trouble finding books he or she likes, but 41% of kids agree that that's a challenge. And that percentage of kids increases to 57% among infrequent readers. So what this shows us is that kids who are not reading a lot, who 
are probably not reading a lot because they're having trouble. If 57% of them are saying, I'm having a hard time finding books that I like, then we as parents, that's really helpful to us to realize, okay, if our kids are not reading voraciously in their spare time, maybe a big piece of that is they're having a hard time finding books that they really love. Yes, it's true. We, we think that kids are having an easy time of it. But again, you know, if you refer to the study, it's not true. And we should never underestimate our kids, you know, or underestimate, you know, what's possible. But, you know, I, I think imagine yourself, I'll imagine myself as a fourth grader going into a library or bookstore and seeing so many books. There are so many choices. And, you know, we grownups tend to think it's easy for kids to, to, to make those choices, but they need our help. They often need our help. And that's, you know, it's one of the beauties of being a, a parent. We can help our kids narrow it down. You know, I might, I might say to my kid, listen, you love a book about the planets. Let's go to that planet section of the library or the bookstore or the book fair and choose from these and I'll help you narrow it down. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where we really, we can help kids find the books that they love. This idea of helping kids, directing them to find the books that they love so much, you know, it's great that we moms and dads can do that, but we have helpers, we have teachers, we have librarians, and they can also help drive our kids' choices and options and, again, point out where that magic book is for my child. We recently did an episode here on the Read a Lot Revival on how to best use and support your local library. It's episode 65. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And I had a youth services librarian, Amy Cummers, join me and talk about how parents can use the resources in their library, including their lovely and wonderful librarians, to help their kids find books they love. And the kind of questions that are helpful for librarians, the kind of information that's helpful for kids and parents to provide to their librarians so their librarians can do a better job of helping them find the books that they'll love. True. And you know what else, Sarah, is that kids talk to other kids. You know, oh my gosh, I read this amazing book. You've got to read it. You know, kids talk to each other. So they depend on their classmates and their friends to make recommendations also. One of the main thrusts of this entire report is to gauge and encourage kids reading for pleasure, right? Which is really, really critical to a real reading life. And I think about reading adults who read, they read for fun. That's what they do. They read for pleasure, not because they have to do it for work or for a school assignment, but because reading itself is fulfilling. So we want to encourage our kids and help them read for the delight of it. Does the report have anything to say to us about who or how we best encourage kids to read for fun? Yes. Let me just say, reading is a good time. And it's, it's those same folks that we've been talking about, family, friends, peers, teachers, librarians. They can all send that message and remind kids that, hey, this book is going to take you places and you're going to really enjoy it. One of the things that I loved reading in this report is that over 62% of kids said, I really enjoy reading books over the summer. And we know that that's mostly pleasure reading, right? Except, I mean, I know that some schools may have some assigned reading in the summer, but for the most part, the books kids are reading in the summer are reading for fun. And that more than half of the kids answering the survey said they enjoy reading in the summer. And so I think it just circles right back around to helping them find books that they really will enjoy. And then it's not like we have to cajole a child into reading because like you said, reading's a good time. <laughs> Once we're giving them books that they really enjoy, they will naturally read more for fun. And I loved that statistic. Over 62 or 62%, I believe is what it says. Kids enjoy reading in the summer. Right. And you know, the number one source of information, you know, on that, that phenomenon that we call the summer slide, which is when you're not reading, 
and the, the skill and the desire might taper off. The, you know, the main source of information on that are, you know, or to help with that are taking your kids to the library, make it an outing, you know, let kids choose books through their reading club, again, through a, a fair that they might go to. And of course, the most obvious, pack up that knapsack, throw a lot of books in, bring them on vacation. Yeah. A friend of mine had texted me before she was going on a road trip. This was last summer. And she said, man, I'm just, I'm worried that my kids are going to be stuck on their devices the whole trip. So I knew the ages of her kids and I thought, "Mm, why don't you go to the library and see if you can grab Avi's book, Poppy, on audio and see if that's something that you might want to listen to on the way. So she went and she grabbed it. She comes back and she said, oh my gosh, Sarah, that was amazing. We would stop for lunch. You know, we'd been in the car all day. We'd stop for lunch and the kids didn't want to get out because they wanted to keep listening because it was like at a pivotal moment in the book. Her husband, who she says is not usually big on having audio books or anything like that playing in the car. He was like, stop talking. I want to hear the story. Oh, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I love that. It can make a, a long car ride go really fast if you've got a great audio book. Sure. Playing in I, I totally get that. You know, and it's not just summer. I mean, it can be holiday time, you know, anytime. How many times have we had that audio book going or books in the back and the kids are reading them? And I think maybe they fell asleep, you know, and I look back and no, they've got the nose down in the pages or they're just listening and telling. focus on diversity in children's books in this study. And that's a focus we're really committed to here at the Read Aloud Revival too. I'd love it if we could talk a bit about some of our favorite books that feature diverse characters or important points from the report. Yes, we're, we're really committed to that here at Scholastic also. In fact, it's really core to our almost 100-year history. The founders of our company, you know, again, almost 100 years ago, as part of the mission statement of Scholastic, put forth a statement about the importance of respect for the diverse groups in our multicultural society. So, you know, it's interesting. If any of you want to come and visit the Scholastic headquarters, I will immediately show you our carpeting where those words are woven into the carpet. So we, we literally stand on that mission. But anyway, as it relates to diversity in children's books and the Kids and Family Reading Report, what we found is that parents shared with us that they consider diversity in books books that include people and experiences different from those than their child. So that's one aspect of it. But in the same respect, kids want to see their experiences validated. They want to see themselves in books while learning about others. You know, it's interesting. It is a complex world today. It's very complicated. And we want to help kids become citizens of that world. We want to help them navigate that. And books with diverse characters and themes are a really great way to take complex information, make it simple. As we talked about, it's a perfect moment to share a book with a child, to look at something through the eyes of a character, through a setting, and to, you know, again, be able to talk about some of the complex issues. You know, some of what I'm loving right now, I'll give you some great examples. A book, one of my faves of the whole year, Happy Dreamer by Peter Reynolds. No secret, because he talks about it frequently, and it's the theme of the book, Happy Dreamer. Grew up with ADHD. And the book is about being unique, being special, being different, and the wonderful dreams and uh, creativity that someone who perhaps is a reluctant reader or learns differently can enjoy no matter, no matter what. Another one that I'm really loving is Refugee by Alan Gratz. Amazing. It's uh, for older readers, middle grade novel, 
and it is the harrowing journeys of kids in search of refuge. So we, we meet several different kids in different scenarios and they're woven together. A Jewish boy living in 1930s Nazi Germany, you know, coming on a ship to the new world. We see a Cuban girl, 1994, hoping to find safety in America. And then we meet a Syrian boy in 2015 on this long trek toward Europe. So um, we currently just recently got on the New York Times bestseller list. So I'm, I'm really loving that. And another picture book, that again is a great one. Why am I me by Paige Britt? That is illustrated by the husband and wife team of Sean Qualls and Selena Alco. And it's so simple and it's so beautiful. A boy and a girl, one white, one brown. They are asking, why am I me and not you? And it beautifully, uh, very poetically underscores the beauty in our differences. So those are three that I'm just really enjoying at the moment. You just named three books I haven't seen yet. Fantastic. So, Andrea, one of the things I noticed about this report is that 89% of kids ages 6 to 17 said, my favorite books are the ones that I have picked out myself. And I think that's, that's a really good indicator, actually, of cultivating a reading life. Because as adults, we well, actually, we talked about this on the episode with Amy Cummers about libraries. It's important if we're trying to grow and nurture readers that they do learn how to choose books for themselves because that's what they're going to be doing as adults is choosing books for themselves. So 89% agreeing that their favorite books are the ones they've picked out themselves. That's pretty interesting. Yes, yes. You know, the, the power of choice. I mean, I mean, you said it, you know, I mean, how many times have I brought home the book I think my kids will like and they like something else? And we found that, you know, finally, I'm to the point where I just step back and I say, hey, do you whatever you want to read, because that, again, if you refer to the report, is a really good predictor on they are more likely to finish that book if they've chosen it themselves. And of course, they're more likely to enjoy it because it's what they want. And we, we found in the report that really two of the top choices as a kid chooses his or her book, that kinds of books that kids like are those with a great story and those that have humor. We all like to laugh. Laughter is one of the pieces that will make that read aloud time even more special than it would be just on its own. But also when I'm reading a book on my own and it makes me laugh out loud, I mean, that instantly makes gives me a connection to this book or a fondness for this book that I might not have if I hadn't been laughing. But I love that that's what kids want. They want to be able to uh -huh. laugh. The report also indicates that they've indicated something else they want besides laughter, which are strong characters. Do you want to talk about that yes, for a minute? Yes, absolutely. Right. Kids want protagonists that inspire them. You know, they want kids that are smart, brave, strong. This is what we all want to be. You know, they want a, a character, a boy or a girl who can face a challenge and overcome it. And I think that that's what we all aspire to. And it's the kinds of books, again, that kids are choosing for themselves with those themes. You know, Sarah, you mentioned Christopher Paul Curtis. We published his Elijah of Buxton and the Madman of Piney Woods. I bring him up because he is an author who has that combination of everything we talked about, characters who are strong, brave, overcoming things. And then the laughter piece. I, I remember when I was reading The Watsons Go to Birmingham, 1963, my kids were around and I literally, my mascara was running. I was laughing so hard. I was crying. The kids thought I was weeping. They said, mom, mom, what's the matter? And I said, oh my gosh, this is the funniest book I've ever read. And then again, if anybody's read it, you know that a few pages in, you're laughing and then you're crying because he, he does all the things that you know kids desire in a book. He tackles hard themes and kids who have to face, I mean, really be courage in the face of real hardship and real struggle. 
and makes you laugh. It's pretty it brilliant. And when an author can do that, it really it's pretty is. special. It really is. And you know, you kind of raise a good point, which is that books really create empathy. And, you know, again, what a better way to learn to care about someone else, to feel their feelings. And, you know, that's what we want our kids to take into the world. And, you know, it's books that can open that door to doing that. When we read books uh, with our kids and also when we we cultivate a reading life at home so that they're reading a lot on their own as well, they're just getting to practice that empathy or to slip into another man's shoes over and over and over again. They get so much practice seeing life from someone else's Mm -hmm. point of view. Yep, absolutely. Well, this has been such a great interview, Andrea. Thank you so much for your time. Before we wrap, I'm wondering if there are things that you want to share with us that we can take away as we forge forward in cultivating our own children's reading lives. Yes, yes. These are what we lovingly call our reading resolutions. And, uh, you know, I kind of offer these to parents as it's conveyed in the study. And uh, there are really five and they're, they're very simple and they're, they're resolutions that we can all, all follow. The first being, as we talked about, keep books in the home, make that commitment, have them accessible, let kids see books all around. And as you say, Sarah, every room of the house is worthy of a book. The second one, let kids choose, let them pick what they want to read because they're more likely to finish that book and they're more likely to enjoy it if it's one that they've chosen themselves. Third one being, ask your child's teacher. What are good suggestions for your home library? What will my child be reading this year? And again, it circles back to that access. And the fourth one is reading aloud. So important. Start when they're infants, but don't forget, you can read aloud past age eight. That quality moment, that time together with a child can go on until they're, they're much older. And, you know, number five, last but certainly not least, be a reading role model. Kids do what they see their parents doing when they see us choosing books, when they see us reading, they're going to copy that behavior. And so, you know, let's show them the way, as you, as you say, of creating a reading culture. Um, it begins with us as moms and dads and caregivers also. I'm going to make sure I link to the reading report in the show notes of today's episode and really appreciate all the work you and your team at Scholastic do to make this report available to us. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. My name is Sadie, and I'm five years old, and my favorite book is Madeline. I like it because she gets a, a sickness called appendix, and they save her from it, and they take her to the hospital. And it's written, no story by Ludwig Benelman. My name is Kale, and I'm from Ohio. I like the Swiss family Robinson because... They are out and doing things instead of cooped up in town, and they are on an island. Hi, my name is Mara. I'm six years old. I'm from Ohio. I like the Gypsy Girl because she's written from Rumor Garden, and she gets a little pony. Hi, I'm John. I'm, I like the Goose Gottlers. I do. Hi, my name is Anya, and I'm five, and I live in Ohio, and I like the children on Troublemaker Street because they're so silly. Hello, I'm Luke. I am five, 
I live in Durango, Colorado. I love the book of socks by Beverly Cleary. It's so 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 hilarious. Cause Charles William is a baby. He's so hilarious because he threw the wallpaper out of the crib bumper. He tore off the wallpaper and he was hilarious. Socks do not like to be shut in doors, and that happened. And he was in Charles William's room. And he was supposed to be napping inside the living room, so it's never the way to be locked inside a bed. <laughs> so you should always, always not be a cat. <laughs> Hi, my name is Jubal. I live in Bayfield, Colorado. I am seven and a quarter years old, and my favorite book is Diary of a Wimpy Kid. My favorite thing about Diary of a Wimpy Kid is Greg, the main character, is pretty much always a wimp, and the book is hilarious because mostly the bullies are like tripping things all over, and all the pictures have labels, which really make you laugh. What's your name? Four. How old are you? Three. Where do you live? Colorado. What's your favorite book? Cat in a Hat. What's the silly thing that Cat in a Hat does? Buys the fish. And what happens to the fish? Fish in the pot. Wow. What's your name? Amelia. How old are you? Mm, two and a half. Two and a half. And where do you live? Washington. What's your favorite book? Bumpy Bumpy. And why do you like that book? Because I want to read it. What's your name? Micah. How old are you? Four. Where do you live? Deer Park, Washington. And what's your favorite book? Mouse and the Motorcycle. Why is that your favorite? Because the play motorcycle actually goes. Thank you very much, kids. If your kids want to leave a message for the Read Aloud Revival, just head to readaloudrevival.com. In the bottom lower left corner, you'll see where to leave a very simple message. You can coach your kids through that. They don't have to be perfectly polished. They can echo you and we can edit it out or you can coach them all the way through the message. We just love hearing from your kids. Hey, if you haven't grabbed the Read Aloud Revival book list, you're missing out. Go to readaloudrevival.com and pop your email into the page there. That's readaloudrevival.com. Hey, I'll be back in a week with another episode of the Read Aloud Revival. Until then, go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books.